And uh, this, tonight I want to preach a message, and I'll get right to the point, and I will not weary you with a long message. Uh, I, I just thank God for Brother Randy's uh, and the orchestra's uh, being submissive to the Spirit of God. He said that caught him completely off guard. That caught me off guard. I didn't know I was going to do it. Amen. I just led of the Lord. But I want to preach um, a message tonight on uh, teaching your children spiritual values. Teaching your children. Hebrews chapter 11, please. Teaching your children spiritual values. I want to tell you something, friend. God's been good. And I want to tell you this. The goodness of God, according to Hebrews, excuse me, Romans chapter 4, verse 2, says it draweth man to repentance. I want to tell you two things that are going to draw you to repentance. Either goodness or judgment. I'll take the goodness. Amen. I don't want God to have to whip me. I don't want God to have to break me. I'll just say, hey, God, you're good. I'm living for you. Amen. That's repentance. That's repentance. You have a change of mind about who's been good to you and who's the best and who is the uh, giver of all gifts. Amen. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll begin with verse 23 and read through verse 29 if you'll stand in honor and respect to the Word of God. And I know you're tired, but I'll let you sit for 35 minutes in just a moment, okay? The Bible says in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. I want you to underline that word, those words, of his parents. Of his parents. Best blessing you ever had was a parent that had faith. Because they saw he was a proper child. That word proper means there's something special for him to do. There's something special for him to be. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You ought to unline that. Sin is for a season, buddy. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, when he forsook Egypt, uh, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn would, should touch them. Y'all know the story, Exodus 12. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Folks, there's two crowds in this story. There's those that by faith passed through and those that drowned in the sin and the selfishness of this world. I want to preach just a few minutes on how to teach your children spiritual values. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the great song service. Lord, I believe the musicians had a special anointing on them tonight. It was a blessing. And the choir, what a blessing it was to hear them once again. And they were the specials of the revival. And God, there's nothing special about any of us unless you live and play and sing and breathe and give and love through us. So Lord, thank you for godly mothers that see the great high calling, the sacred calling of being a, child, of being a mom or a dad of a proper child. God, we thank you for the moldability of children. We thank you for the receptiveness. And God, we know that not, that'll not always be and God, there's a time where they'll be harder and there'll be a time where they'll not be as receptive. So Lord, help us. Help us, God, to take advantage 
of our influence as parents. And God, help us to influence these little ones for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I took a piece of plastic clay and highly fashioned it one day. As my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded to my will. I came again when days were past and when that piece of clay was hard at last. And that early imprint still it bore, and I could, I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and touched it gently day by day and molded it with power and art, a young child with soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone, and it was a man or a woman I looked upon, and that early imprint still they bore, and I could change that form no more. Folks, God help us to see the sacred privilege of influencing babies and children and infants and toddlers, and yea, even children and teenagers, for the glory of God. Because I'm telling you, when they get old and stubborn like us, they're hard clay. And I want to preach with all my heart on how to instill spiritual values into your children. Folks, God didn't give you just a child, so you go brag around and show pictures off. God didn't give you a child just so to entertain you and they could be the greatest little league player in the world you could stand in the crowd and say, that's my child that just hit the home run. God didn't give you a child to support you in your old age when they got rich because you taught them to be such financial wizards. God gave you a child for His glory. God gave you a child to mold him, to make her what God wants her to be, to direct her, to give her discernment, to give her direction, to give her determination, to give her a destiny of living for God and His glory. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 3 John verse 4. A conversation with Dwight. D. Eisenhower, I think he was president when I was born. Great, bald-headed president. And when he was president, he said, Mr. President, do you have any, uh, know of, of every great man in, at one time, who is the greatest man that you ever met? Without hesitation, and it, he said, the greatest person I ever met wasn't a man. It was a woman. It was my mama. She never had much schooling, but she was wise in God's wisdom. She went to school to the greatest of all books, the Bible. She, re- she acquired real wisdom. He said, once when I was a boy, my brothers and I were playing a game with my mother, and the game was with cards, not regular playing cards, that was outlawed, because she was too straight-laced for that, but a hand of cards that dealt, and, uh, and I remember this night mother dealt me, an utterly impossible hand. And I began to complain about it. She said, boys, put your cards down. I want to tell you something, especially you, Dwight. You're playing a game in your own home with your own mother under loving circumstances. We all love each other here. And I have dealt you a bad hand. Now, she said, When you get out in life where they don't love you so much, you're going to be dealt many, 
many a bad hand. What are you going to do? Who are you going to pray to? Are you going to pray to God? Are you going to trust God? And like a man, are you going to play out the hand that God dealt you? And then said Dwight Eisenhower, that is one of the wisest things I learned in my youth. He became president of the United States in a very difficult time. And I want to tell you something, folks. God taught him that the best friend was not a man, but the best person he'd ever met was a mother that loved God. Let me give you one other thing real quick. Suzanne Wesley had 17 children. 17 children. And I want to tell you this, friend. Um, that's a lot of children. In addition, she took uh, each child aside for a full hour every week to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder two of her sons, Charles and John, were used of God to bring blessings to all of England and most of the United States of America. Here are a few rules she followed. Number one, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Number two, teach him to pray as soon as he can speak. Amen? Number three, give him nothing he cries for and only what is good for him if he asks for it politely. Whining, complaining, pouting kids will turn into whining, complaining, pouting adults. Just thought I'd amen Suzanne real quick. Amen. Number four. To prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow rebellious, sinful acts to go unnoticed. Number five. Commend and reward good behavior. Number six. This is the last one. Strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. Amen? What a blessing. We could go home shouting right now saying, praise God, I'm under conviction. But Hebrews chapter 11, I want to give you this real quick, just in about 20 minutes. I want you to see what it takes to be a mama that instills spiritual wisdom in your child. Wisdom is seeing the end of sin. And I want to say this, friend, wisdom is seeing this world through God's eyes. Wisdom is seeing that sin does not pay. And if you don't, if you don't believe that, read, hurry back. Read Proverbs chapter 1 through 5. Proverbs 1 through 5. And I want you to read that carefully, and you'll see the end of the chapter, every end of the chapter, talks about the end of sin. The payday someday of sin. Don't think for a minute you're going to get away with sin. You're going to reap it in your children. You'll reap it in your grandchildren. You'll reap it in a terrible destiny in their life. You'll sow to the wind and reap the whirlwind. God help us to realize tonight probably the most important thing we could do on Mother's Day night when we're all full and we're all asleep and we're all played out and we're all wore out, is come back to the house of God and say, God, give me wisdom to rear my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and help me to instill wisdom into their heart. And folks, for that to be done, there must be a vision of faith. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was bid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. 
and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Jochebed means the Lord's glory. Folks, Aram, the, uh, Moses' daddy means exalted people. Their names have a statement of faith just in their names. But I want to tell you something, more than what you can see on this hall of fame of faith, here's a mama and here's a daddy that changed a young man's life under very tempting situations. He could have been the richest man on earth, being heir, son of the Pharaoh. He went to the University of Egypt, but it didn't sap the wisdom and the knowledge that mama had placed in his heart when he was just a very wee child. And thank God the Lord arranged it where uh, the Pharaoh's daughter hired her to be her full, his full-time sitter. Parent, nanny, whatever you want to call her, she did a good job. Amen? Why? Because she had a vision. She had a vision. She had a vision of a proper child. Now, folks, proper does not mean educated. Proper does not mean sophisticated. Proper means that that child had a plan for his life, a will of God to fulfill, and mama saw it. Mama sensed it. And mama didn't drift up and down and, and, and was uh, inactive and, 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 and indifferent and worldly and sinful and selfish and, may I say, immature. Where the, parent, the child almost has to parent the ungodly mama. God help you grow up. You're not called to be their best friend. You're called to be mama. Oh no, I'm afraid they'll disapprove of me if I ever spank them. Praise God, they'll disapprove of you if you don't. Because God commands it, amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you do not discipline by delighting in the Lord and setting an example and having a, po a positive peer pressure on your child, then all the spanking in the world will not mean a thing. Amen. My wife was a spoiled child. She never got a spanking. So when I married, I started it. No, not really. Man, that's a joke. She spanks. She, uh, listen. And Pappy was a loving man. And Pappy beat the hound out of his two boys so much that she was scared to death that she was next. And I'm going to tell you what kept Miss Connie straight. It was a look of love. Amen. And it was a look from a man that she admired and loved so much and had such a relationship with that she dare not grieve him. Dare not disappoint him. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to be that kind of parent where we walk the walk and not just talk the talk. We love, we nurture, and we dare not disappoint our mom and daddy. The greatest discipline on this earth should be when they make you grieve. But folks, we don't grieve over sin anymore. We accept it. We allow it. We license it. We ought to thank God for parents that were grieved in sin, and they grieved a while, and then they swung the switch. Praise God. And they restricted. They put you in quiet time. But I want to tell you something. I don't see quiet time one place in Proverbs. But I do see the rod. I do see, friend, if you're rebellious, you're going to get your hind end ripped. Amen? In the name of Jesus, it's going to be loving discipline, though. Not a bolo bouncer, not a shoe that you pick up, not a baseball bat, but a loving switch on the blessed assurance that God has designed called the rear end.
Amen? You don't slap your kid. You spank your child. But you do it because of one lesson. You want to teach them this valuable lesson. The consequence of sin is worse than the pleasure of sin for a season. That's what the text says. The consequence of sin is far worse than the pleasure of sin for a season. Aren't you glad you had a parent like that? That drew the line, that the law of the mother, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1. But some, folks, so, so many mothers are so lawless, they can't say a word to their child because they'd be a hypocrite. Walk the walk. That's power of demonstration. That's example that sets a precedent in your, your, your children's life. So listen, I'm telling you, he, she saw, had a vision of faith real quick. Folks, listen, we don't need training on self-image. What we need is training on His image. And we need to lift Him up as God's authority for their life, that God's got a plan for their life, God's got a purpose for their life, God made them significant, and thank God, live up to it. Amen. Folks, the value of life comes from knowing there's a valuable, wonderful, perfect will. A proper child. A proper child. Do you realize this, Mom and Daddy? I'm just going to tell you this right now. When you bring a child into this life, they're immortal. They're going to live somewhere forever. That is an awesome, sacred responsibility. They're going to live forever somewhere. And you can send them to hell or you can help them go to heaven. What a privilege. Say amen. And I think the greatest thing you can do is live a life that's so pleasing to God that they want heaven. They want God. They want mama's God. So as a proper child, eternal life has a serious responsibility. A serious responsibility. They're going to live somewhere forever. And let me just say this. They're going to live somehow here. And that somehow is they're going to live as a beneath their privilege, out of God's will, rebellious, sinful, and letting their life be mediocrity explained. Just out of the will of God. Just going with the flow. Sin for a season will be their dominant force in their life. And that is sad. And that is a waste of God's breath. Can somebody say amen? And then second of all, I see a venture of faith. I think with all my heart that the life of faith should be one of the most exciting and adventurous and fun and thrilling experiences of your child's life. Look at verse 23. It says, And by faith when he was born... He was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's command. What an adventure. What valor of faith. Folks, listen. Faith acts. Faith takes a stand. Faith moves. Faith without works is dead being alone. And mama, let me say this. You'll teach your children more by what you do and how you react than what you act like. Your actions are planned. But reactions are not planned. And I want to tell you something. If you fly off in the flesh every moment, they're going to know you're not of the Spirit. 
And if you find every flimsy excuse for not being in the house of God, they're going to find out the house of God's not important, preaching's not important, revival's not important, it's just not important. God's not important. You would never want to teach your children that. Never. So faith is a venture. And let me just give you a word, values. Values are not do's and don'ts. It's beliefs and ideals that are important based on the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and directed for His glory. It moves into choices. It dictates choices, decisions. You know, I want my children to have discernment. That's the first word, discernment. We teach children to have discernment. Because look what happened after Moses grew up. Now, I know a lot of you are sleepy because you ate too much dessert, so I'm trying my best to preach as enthusiastic as I can, but I can't help it if you're sleepy. Slap yourself and listen. No, not really. But look at this. <laughs> and don't slap your mate because that, that just won't work. It says, by faith, Moses, when he's come to years, come to years, when he matured, when he got old enough to make decisions on his own, when he got old enough to move out. And the average independent Baptist moves out and never comes back. That's sad. But folks, I want to tell you something. When he came to years, somebody put something in that young man's life. And I believe it was mama. I don't see much about Aram I don't see much about him, but I see that God arranged by his providence to bring mama back in the scene to stay and raise old, little old Moses after that bull rush episode. Amen? What a miracle. And got paid for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But since by faith when he was come to years, what's the first word here? Refuse to be called the son of a Pharaoh's daughter. Folks, he refused to be a billionaire. The Pharaoh was the God of the world, little G. He made LeBron James look broke. Amen? He made the richest man on this earth look broke. Because he had it all. He was the emperor of the world. And folks, it takes something for a young man to grow up and say, No! I don't want those things! He made a decision because, praise God, he had some values. Values clarification. What is important to God ought to be important to you, Mama. Now, this is Mama's day. Can I talk to you just a little bit? And Daddy, And if there's a split home, it's going to be rough on the kids because they'll probably pick, pick the weaker vessel. And sometimes that's Daddy, that ain't Mama. I've been pastor long enough to know there's a whole lot of spiritual mamas and some dead beats for husbands. Rather do something on Sunday than come to the house of God. That's dead beat. That's missing it. That's ungodly. That's wicked. That's wrong priority. That's unwise. I don't care what you think. It's what God says. We ought to be sanctified. Put God first. And so I see... He refused, but then I see something in verse 25 real quick. Choosing rather. 
<laughs> they weren't just Mormons. They didn't refuse iced tea <laughs> and then say, praise God, that's all we're going to do. You can be against everything if you want to. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts tonight. Some of you already got your dandruff raised up if you got any hair. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this right now. Folks, values, let's clarify that, it's based on eternity. It's what pleases God. It's what glorifies God. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts, independent Baptist, that's against everything. Somebody asked John R. Rice one time, are you against it? And before they even finished the sentence, he said, yes, I'm against it. <laughs> ungodly, ungodly, ungodly is not the priority here. It's what's godly that's the priority. What's important is priority. Come on. And so we see choosing rather. That's a dissimulation. That's decision making. That's God's frame of reference. And there's another word for it. That's wisdom. See, Daddy and Mom, I'm telling you the truth. Decisions you're making today and the values you have today and the choices you make today and the stand you make today and the faithfulness you make today will probably determine what your little daughter and little son looks for in a marriage. And if you want them to marry a hobo for Jesus, just be one. If you want them to marry a mediocrity uh, in mediocrity and just sit in the pew Christian, just be one. If you want them to marry somebody that's against the preacher and talks about him all the time, gossips about him all the time, talks bad about him, and comes to church looking like death won over, then they're going to probably marry somebody like that. Because you have lifted that up as the standard for perfection. Folks, what we ought to lift up is Jesus. And folks, esteeming rather, evaluation. He forsook, but praise God, he chose rather. And what happened? Suffer affliction with the people of God and enjoy the pleasure of sin for a what? Season. I, I, I just don't know how to say this, but say it. You can have fun now, but you'll pay for it later. You desecrate God's day, you're going to pay for it later. You desecrate God's music, you're going to pay for it later. And what you do, they'll do in excess. You get bitter. Stay at home and get, get uh, backslidden. I'm telling you, payday, someday, it's coming. And you better pray for crop failure. You better pray for crop failure because I'm going to tell you something, friend. The only reason I know that Moses turned out right was not the University of Egypt. And it sure wasn't Pharaoh's daughter. It was a little lady named Jochebed, a lady of faith. A lady that had faith to venture out and build a little ark of protection for her baby. Send Miriam to follow him. To go into the palace and act like she didn't even know the baby and take care of him and love him. And I guarantee you, every time she got a chance, she was teaching him about God. Pouring it on him. Pouring out her soul. And folks, in order to be a mama like that, you've got to be full of God if you're going to flow towards your child. Some, some people don't even deserve to have a child. That's a awful thing to say. They don't even deserve to have a child. They're sorry parents. They're sorry women. Because I'm going to tell you why. 
They won't go to church. They won't read their Bible. They won't pray. And they won't honor God with their life. And I don't know why God allows them to have children. That's an enigma to me. When there's some that would be such godly parents. It tears me up inside sometimes. I have a big question in my heart. You know something? I believe God wants every backslidden mama to get upslidden. And I believe every lost mama ought to get saved. And I want to tell you something. If you can't look at that little gift that you, that you hold in your hands and realize the goodness of God ought to draw you to repentance, then lady, I'm going to tell you one thing. You've got a thick skull and a cold heart. Because that's a gift from God. That's a sacred trust. That's a life that's going to come to years. And that years, they're going to come to years and they're going to be either a man of God or a man of hell. Pardon my bluntness. I've got to keep you awake so I'm going to be as blunt as I can. Because I love you. I mean, won't your children turn out right? There's everybody in this room said, I do, I do, preacher, I do. How many wish you could go back about 20 years when you were so backslidden your children wouldn't even go to Sunday school or church because you was too lazy to get here? Come on. And then you got into sin and wrecked your marriage. How many would like to come back about 20 years and do it over again? Amen? That's called wisdom. Say amen. And man, if you, listen, if you think you're going to get a little poem and two points Tonight on Mother's Day, you got another thought coming. We're in a warfare for children and their future. So I see they refused, and then, they did, then he chose rather. And the reason he chose rather is because he didn't want to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. And it goes on talking about evaluation. I want to say this. I want to say it clearly. I'm, I'm closing. My time's up. I want my children to learn to evaluate what's important. And I'm going to tell you what's important, what's spiritual. Amen? Some people live for sports. Absolutely, it's a God of the Roman Empire. And I'm going to tell you something. Daddy, if you talk about it every waking moment, they're going to think that's your God. And they're going to follow you. And they're going to be just like you. And I think every waking moment, you ought to be talking about God. I believe if you do have sports, you ought to have some sports philosophy is that we're going to glorify God in this. If you pout and whine and act like a pitiful kid, you ain't playing. And once you start, you're finishing. And you're not more important than the coach. You're under authority. That's fine. But usually that don't happen. You get as in flesh as they do. But I want to tell you something, friend. Anything that comes before God is foolish. Mothers, when you became a mama, yourself is no longer more important. And there ain't nothing worse than a selfish mama. But there ain't nothing more beautiful than a generous mama that'll ha that say, I don't want the last piece of pie because Junior's already ate three. Praise God, Junior, don't eat three when Mama hadn't had one. Ain't God taught you nothing? <laughs> but there ain't nothing more blessed than a mama. That's a giving mama. That's a loving mama. That's a kind mama. But it's a consistent mama. I'm talking about the ministry of mama. I'm closing. So we see 
evaluation. We see elimination, but I also see a good word here in the next verse. It says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he hath respect unto the recompense of the reward. Two beautiful words in this verse, esteem and respect. That means they evaluated based on what was really important. And then guess what happened? Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The esteeming and the evaluation and even the elimination was translated into determination. You know, we're raising a bunch of quitters. They quit everything. Quit school, quit college, quit jobs, quit marriages, quit children, deadbeat children, deadbeat parents, won't pay child support. We're in a mess in America. Just talk to your local officer at Whitfield County and see what they're doing most of the time. They're running down deadbeat daddies that won't pay child support. Come on, say amen. That's the truth and you know it. And they're sorry. That's capital S-O-R-R-Y. They won't even take care of the child they brought into this world. That's called selfish. But friend, I'm going to tell you something. What's important is that they see that there's more important things than the child support. There's more important things than money. It's the riches of Christ. I wish I had time to go into Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It's heavenly riches. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, it's unsearchable riches. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. The whole whole theme of of Ephesians, and Brother Randy prayed it, it's exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I hath not seen nor ear heard what has entered into the heart of man, what God has prepared for them that love Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe it is. Folks, there's something far more important important than things and money and and wealth. It's what God calls important. And then what happens, it causes us to be faithful. But I got one more word I want to give you. There's some illumination that takes place when mama has faith. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured and seeing him who is invisible. He saw the Lord. He crowned him as preeminent. As Colossians chapter 3, verse 11 says, He said, Jesus is all and in all. Christ is all in all. And I want to tell you something. You'll, you'll, you, you've got to understand this now. You might not understand it, but I, I think you do. When your child grows up and Christ is preeminent and He is Lord of their life, there's no greater joy. But there's no greater horror and there's no greater pain than you realize your child has grown up without the fear of God and without the estimate of who God is and the wisdom to realize that sin is for a season and that God is still on the throne.
We're not playing games here. We're not just having babies and throw them in the daycare. We are called to be men and ladies with values and a vision and adventure and valor of faith. It all started. It all started. When she saw that little baby, and she said, he's proper. There's got to be some things, Moses, you need to evaluate. There needs to be, Moses, something in your life that you need to eliminate. Moses, there's one thing I want to do is I want you to, I want to illuminate who God is. And so when he's backed up to the Red Sea and when all the firstborn were being killed, the Bible says in the next two verses, he kept the Passover and he passed through the Red Sea. And he became one of the greatest liberators and one of the greatest men of God that ever walked this earth. He could have been a stinking Pharaoh heathen. But he had a mama. But he had a mama. Several years back, I mean several years back, somebody came up with this machine called the Globe Master. Called a, no, it was called a bathosphere. What a terrible name, bathosphere. What it was, it was, scientists created something called a bathosphere. It was a big globe that man could get inside of, made of steel, many inches thick, and they began to lower it into the ocean, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. They got down to 37,000 feet below the surface of the sea. The pressure of that water was enormous. Had the thing been built out of steel, uh, it hadn't been built out of steel, it would have been crushed like an aluminum can. The pressure of 37,000 feet deep. They had a small window and they could look out and they saw something they never expected to see. Little flimsy fish swimming along, side of them smiling, saying, I'm down here too, big boys. The fish with its subtle skin swimming under enormous pressure, pressure that would have crushed the bathosphere as they said, why, how could this be, how is this, the scientists answered when they got back up. They said, how could those fish survive? And those fish had pressure inside of them that equaled the pressure on the outside that allowed them to live. Now folks, there's a lot of pressure on our kids on the outside. And you better be certain they have something on the inside. Can I have an amen? And that's up to the parents to do it. The pressure is the Holy Ghost. Greater is He that is in you than He is in the world. And you better pray that your children get saved very young and then praise God they yield very young because I'm going to tell you something, this world has got a lot of pressure. Let's pray. Father.
I want to thank you for the liberty to preach. I thank you for the choir preparing my heart and the prayer meeting. And God, we need to make some decisions tonight regarding the practice of sin. We need to make some discernment about who's important and who's more important. And we need to have some children that not look for the cheap way or the easy way or the lazy way and the life of mediocrity, but in and enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. But God, we need children that would rather have the riches of Christ and the reward of serving you. God, help us. As parents, God, help us. God, help us to be that beacon, that lighthouse, that protection that you've called each and every mama to be. We'll pray.